Hi friends! Welcome to Reading Minds, where ordinary people talk about extraordinary books. Today, Shannon and Susie and I are talking about our February book that was picked by Susie, The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. Enjoy! Talking about the Great Divorce by Clive Staples Lewis, otherwise known as C.S. Lewis. Um, just a little bit of background about him: He is an author and a professor and tutor um, in the 20th century. He is said to be one of the most influential writers of his day. He worked at Oxford University, and he was the chair of the medieval and renaissance literature at Cambridge University. So he just sounds like a very well-read, cool dude cool that dude. also wrote books, um, nonfiction books, fiction books. He did a lot of allegorical references um, because he worked at Oxford and Cambridge. No, both. Yeah. He, he um, you can say it louder, Shannon. Oh, I was just asking, like, so... He Where did he go to, to school? Did he go to Cambridge, or did he just work there? He got a universe. He got a scholarship, I believe, to Oxford. Yeah, he received a scholarship okay. in December of 1916 to the University College at Oxford. Okay, so he went to Oxford. Well, one of the colleges at Oxford. And then he was appointed an English fellow at Madeline College, Oxford. And then he became the chair of medieval and Renaissance literature at Cambridge until he retired. And then all of that time, he was writing over 30 books, mm -hmm. essays, theological doctrines, all that stuff. How yes. long was he at Oxford compared to Cambridge? Do you know? I think... Like as a professor. I think that he was at Oxford shorter, a shorter amount of time than he was at Cambridge. Let me look. Was it post-World War or before? I don't remember. So he received a scholarship and went to school before the war. And then mm -hmm. he finished his school after the war. Mm -hmm. And he, that's where he started. Um, he wrote one of his first books called Spirits in Bondage mm -hmm. during the war. Like, it was when he was fighting. Okay. Um, yeah, I was just curious because I know him and some of his besties, like mm -hmm. Tolkien. Um, I'm going to close the door. They um, were all together mm -hmm. at Oxford. And that's when they, you know, had their Inklings yeah. club and, like, would meet at this pub that I actually got to go to. Evil so and the Child. Yeah, so that's where I was wondering um, how long he was at Cambridge, because I was, like, wondering if the oh Inkling, Inklings were, like, only a thing when he was at Oxford. I think that even if he went to Cambridge, they still... This says that in 1940, his weekly meetings with the Inklings began. And now I'm trying to figure out... And he was at Oxford at that time. Okay. So he was said he was appointed at Oxford in 1925. The Inklings began in 1940. So that's actually okay. a pretty long time. Mm -hmm. And then now I'm trying to find. And then he became the chair at Cambridge in 1954. Okay. Right. So actually, I feel like he was at Oxford more than Cambridge. Yeah, definitely. Because he was only at Cambridge yeah, that's what I for 10 I years. Like he yeah. was at Oxford the longest. Yeah, so he was at Oxford longer. Glad I looked it up. <laughs> but that actually brings up a point of like what are all of your guys' experiences or with C.S. Lewis? 
First, talk a little bit more about the Inklings, just in oh, case, okay. because we all know what they are, but I don't know. Yeah, so listeners. the Inklings was a group, a meeting of the minds at this pub called the Eagle and the Child, and f- other famous members are like J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote Lord of the Rings, among many other things. Do you guys know who else is in the Inklings? There's like, like off the top of your head. I don't remember what their names are. I think like T.S. Eliot maybe. Was Dorothy Sayers involved in that? Because I know she and C.S. Lewis were friends, but I'm not sure. Yeah, what I don't the know if she was, was. I don't think there was any females in the group. Okay. I'm going to say it was all males. Because okay. they actually have a list of all the names hang, hanging in the Evil and the Child if you go there. Yeah, okay. And you so this says that the Indians were an informal literary discussion group associated with the University of Oxford for nearly two decades between 1930s and 1949. She's reading the Wikipedia page, which is feeling. I need to. I am. That. So, you know, like, beware, look up your own. No. Look up your it's own. probably accurate. <laughs> I just and think it's funny. Basically, they came together and, you know, they were just friends, but they also would review and kind of critique all of the work, the literary work that they were writing or thinking about, working on. Um, and there's this, like, famous story where C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien kind of had a competition to see who could write the best children's series. And that is where the Chronicles of Narnia came from and where actually Lord of the Rings came from. And they both didn't like each other's work because J.R. <laughs> Tolkien thought that C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia was too obvious and too allegorical. Mm-hmm. And C.S. Lewis was like, well, that's what I want. Like, yeah. I want it to be obvious. I want it to be allegorical. Mm-hmm. And then J.R.R. Tolkien... Um, C.S. Lewis didn't like J.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings because he was like, how is this a children's story again? Like, there's so much, like, fighting and there's good lessons in it. Like, there's this wonderful strand of friendship, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's good things, but yeah, I think it was interesting. Yeah. And he had, like, he was not intending for there to be any kind of allegory or symbolism or anything. Mm-hmm. So whatever came out of that was just by chance. Yeah. 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 Um, and another interesting point is that his... So J.R. Tolkien's son, Christopher Tolkien, and also C.S. Lewis's older brother were also part of it, and his name mm-hmm. was Warren Lewis. So that was pretty fun. The rest of them were just, like, different authors that, honestly, as sad as this is, I don't really recognize them, um, which just means I need <laughs> to read more or they're not as cool. other novels. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe they're just not cool. Yeah. No, but when I was in high school, I was fortunate enough to have this thing called J-Term, where you got to take two classes in January, and it was a whole semester, and I took one on C.S. Lewis, and we talked a lot about the past and also about his kind of transformation from being a very adamant atheist into being this, like, champion for God and his change into Christianity and how that kind of portrays throughout his life, and... He's just a really interesting, really interesting guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. So what have you read by him before? I have read The Screw Tape Letters, Mere Christianity, his science trilogy, The Out of the Silent Planet. I've read Great Divorce, obviously, and Chronicles of Narnia, and also like The Problems of Pain. Mm-hmm. What have you guys read? So I've read The Chronicles of Narnia, and <clears throat> that, like... I have good memories with that because my dad would read them out loud at the dinner table growing up, and that was just awesome, and I loved it. Um, I read the Screw Tape Letters, and I read the first book of the science fiction trilogy, the Out of the Out of the Silent Planet, and I didn't love it. But I've heard that the first book isn't the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I <laughs> so keep yeah, I think mm-hmm. I need to revisit those. 
Um, and I've also read The Abolition of Man, which is probably my favorite. Um, it essentially deals with education and the rise of postmodernism. So it basically um, defends natural law and absolute value. And it's just, it's amazing mm -hmm. and super short, which is yeah convenient. <laughs> That's one thing that I really like about C.S. Lewis, where he was this very, very deep thinker and was very, you know, well-researched and well-educated, but he had a way of putting things so clearly that mm -hmm. it could be accessible to anybody. Yeah, for sure. So, I've read about pretty much the same stuff as you guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, probably a little bit less, uh, mainly because I'm just kind of saving it because I know, like, one of these days when I have, like, a lot of time, I just, like, want to go hard and just, like, <laughs> read a lot of his stuff. Um, and I just, like, really want to have time to digest it because I know he has so many interesting ideas in his books but I've read The Chronicles of Narnia which I also loved because growing up my mm -hmm. mom would read it to me mm -hmm. as like a bedtime story and my f favorite out of those ones is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I think just because every kid likes to you know grow up thinking that they can go through a big wardrobe or closet mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. and end up in Narnia <laughs> that was just always so magical to me yeah and I think it really I felt like it helped characterize you know truly like what Christianity and like the Bible is in a like way that um, children can understand mm -hmm. really well which I loved about it and then the other ones I've read are um, the space trilogy like Susie talked about mm -hmm. which I actually just recently finished and really liked those and screw tape letters and then now the great divorce so <laughs> I've read far less yeah. but I will say I am a huge fan of his and like I said before I got to go to Oxford and I specifically went to the Equal and Child for lunch and had a pint and a pie which is like frequently what they would always do mm -hmm. as even if it was in the morning they get a pint of beer <laughs> and you know get like some sort of meat pie and mm -hmm. just talk so I tried to do that myself yeah <laughs> have awesome. a whole experience so that's awesome I know that we are nowhere near the Inklings but I kind of makes me feel good or it just makes me happy that like we actually talk and about things that we previously haven't read mm -hmm. or like it just makes me feel like a little part of society as a whole that like our yeah. creative minds that just come together to just try to mm -hmm. think about things and yeah. discuss things and I think that makes kind sense of, of the world out yeah. of words <laughs> so I think that that not it's not hard to find necessarily I just like that that's who we are yeah mm -hmm. just oh gives me warm feelings <laughs> and also something else about Lewis that I think is like pretty interesting and I'm sure, like, maybe if you've been there, you would know, but not. I'm sure not everyone knows that. If you visit Westminster Abbey in London, there's a section in the Abbey called Poet's Corner, mm -hmm. and he was one of the writers who has a, like, stone face there. He's not actually buried there, but he his it's name like memorialized is there. There. Yeah, it's, he's memorialized, which is pretty cool because they don't actually do that for all of the authors that are mm -hmm. pretty famous. Like, they haven't even done that for Tolkien. Which is interesting, but mm -hmm. um, and there's a reasoning behind that. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so that in itself speaks highly of who he was, and you know what even and how his, people saw yeah, him, yeah, and, and how his home country really saw him for the fact that they like pretty much like immortalized his name at least like in their attic, yeah. you know, for centuries to come. I think it also helps that he tried to do the radio shows a lot. Like, Mere Christianity was a radio broadcast. Actually, The Great Divorce was published in six parts in a newspaper. He seemed to really write with the intention of reaching the masses in a way that, mm -hmm. like, a lot of authors do, but mm -hmm. he specifically did. 
-hmm. Yeah. Um, before we get into our sentences, let's do our drinks really fast. Not that they're anything special. <laughs> um, it is kind of special because we are all in the same room today. So I am in Ohio visiting for a baby shower Yay! that they planned for me. I'm excited. Um, so we're in my parents' house in the basement. So mm -hmm. I'm currently drinking coffee provided by Annie. Or <laughs> <It's laughs> Annie's parents. Annie's parents. <laughs> it's Caramel macchiato, like Keurig coffee. Yeah. With sugar and cream because I can't drink black coffee. <laughs> I'm drinking hot chocolate because I already had a cup of coffee today and I don't want to be wired. And it was also a Keurig thing because that's how we work here. Also because we're having tea later. Also because we're going out. <laughs> having some tea. Um, I. What am I drinking, Annie? If you hear rattling, it's our or it's my parents' bunny. She's also <laughs> in the basement, and she's Fran. I don't know what she's doing in there. Yeah, her name is Fran. She's adorable. She's really cute. Mm -hmm. But she's like going crazy. <laughs> um, you are drinking. It's like Green Mountain Breakfast Blend. Okay. I don't know. It's, it's also scary. It's not the best coffee in the world, but I. It's what I had this morning. Put fake sugar. Splenda. Splenda. <laughs> and. Hazelnut creamer, coffee, whatever. Creamer. Coffee mate. Coffee mate creamer. Super exciting. I plan on drinking like tea or something because, you know, England. But we're having tea later, so I. Yeah, we will not be to. celebrating in theme later today. <laughs> not right now. <laughs> yeah. Tea would have been a good idea, though. It would have been. Yeah. We were not thinking. We were. Oh, or beer, but she can't have beer. I'm so. sorry. It's like <laughs> morning. Also, it's like <laughs> yeah. 10 a.m. Or no, it's like 12. I don't know. It's, so it's like 1 o'clock o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. Anyway. Sentences. <laughs> yeah. Um, Susie, do you want to start? Sure. This book was hard to capture in one sentence. Mm -hmm. I personally had difficulty doing it, um, mm -hmm. so bear that in mind. Through several profound interactions, C.S. Lewis portrays the behaviors that accounts for the great divorce between heaven and hell. Everyone is given a choice. What path will they choose? Nice. And scene. Dun, dun, dun. I feel like mine's always a movie trailer quote. It, it really is. <laughs> um, mine is... In this dreamy work of fiction, C.S. Lewis touches on the sinful vices of every relationship and stage of life and exposes men for why they, apart from divine intervention, will not and cannot choose heaven even if they come face to face with their creator. Mm. Ooh. I like that one. I was really proud of it. Yeah. <laughs> so mine is one ghost gets the chance to change his feeble existence in hell for an amazing paradise in heaven if he is willing to put in the work. But are things really what they seem? Dun dun dun! Sounds like an adventure novel. Mm. Yep. Yeah, so Shana does the Keep back of the book. Toes. I do a movie trailer and Annie does like an actual review. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> so what was like just your overall impression. impression, you know? I loved it. I mean, I know that's not like mm -hmm. an impression, but yeah. those are my feelings. <laughs> I thought it was great. Um, I was I very light and airy, but... <laughs> ethereal. <laughs> I'm just <kidding>. Dreamy. <laughs> Dreamy, that was the word I liked. Honestly, I was very, like, captivated by it. Because with every interaction, you honestly are like, what is going to happen? Mm -hmm. Like, and he, the narrator, you know, it's like, just general background. Like, he starts in Greytown, 
which is either hell or purgatory, depending on how you do this. Oh, we should say something. What I also like about C.S. Lewis <laughs> is that he mentions what his books are not. Mm-hmm. So in the preface of this book, he was like, this is a fiction. This is not totally yeah. how everything works, as the Bible says. Yeah. This is a moral. Yeah. It is fiction. He was just using hell or like the afterlife as a springboard yeah. for other conversations. Yeah. So it starts in Greytown and he's at a bus stop and there's they have this opportunity to go to the foothills of heaven. Though I don't think even the participants knew that's where they were going. They just got on a bus because why not? Um, and I think they did. Yeah, I don't know if it's... I don't know. I think it's just ambiguous. I don't yeah. know if we can really tell if they yeah. knew what was happening. And this whole journey happens where the narrator goes to the foothills of heaven and just everything, like, they're, they're not meant to be there. They are, like, ghosts. They're just silhouettes of themselves. And they come into contact with these spirits, which are solid, large people that shine brightly. Yeah, I don't... What is the word in the book? Because it's not spirit. Or maybe it is. I think it is spirit. But that's confusing because it is they're solid. <laughs> and the then we have the ghosts. That's like calling like the solid people. The solid and then people. the narrator observes slash interacts in his own re- own interactions with the solid people. Just about the ghosts come into contact with loved ones or friends that they knew on earth. That they may have wronged or the friends wronged them or they had. And it just kind of exposes all of their sin. Mm-hmm. And they all are presented with a choice. Like you can put in the work and undo yeah or you can give up your sin yeah. and turn to Christ yeah. or you can go back yeah and they all like are put like face to face with their decision yeah mm-hmm. yeah what I loved about it is it was just so comprehensive like each mm-hmm. little silhouette or each little character yeah it represented a different a different vice in a different mm-hmm. like stage of life mm-hmm. also so yeah. it was just very like complete mm-hmm and you can tell that it was written in a way where I feel like everybody can relate. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you can see a sin or all the sins or parts yeah. of it, like, in your life. And a lot of times, they're not always taken to the extreme, but sometimes they are. Where you're like, like, for example, there was, like, a perversion of love. Like, a mother loved her son, but it was taken to the extreme. Like, right. she, like, idolized him above everything else. Yeah. And it became, like... A love without God. Right. Like, there was like a quote in it where it was like, you know, you have to have God, truly know God before you can truly love someone else. Right. Right. And I don't know if it's necessarily like taken to the extreme, but that's like mm-hmm. at the heart of yeah. what that vice or yeah. that sin is. So even if we think that we're a little more balanced in our mm-hmm. like struggles, that's really what it is at the root of it. Mm-hmm. I think it like would be interesting to like characterize and talk about some of the different I mean, we obviously probably don't have time to do all of them, but, like, some mm-hmm. of the different major, like, ghosts that we see having right. conversations. Because I I thought a lot of them, like, were really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I could see having thoughts like they had. Like, for mm-hmm. example, yeah. one of the first ghosts we see talking to someone, he's talking to this person who, like, murdered someone else, who he knew. And, mm. like, so this, there's, like, the solid person who's talking to this ghost, <laughs> and the ghost knows that the solid person at one point, like, murdered someone. Mm-hmm. And he's like, wow, how did they let you in? Like, but they didn't let me in. And, right. you know, like, the guy he murdered is also in, like, I guess you could characterize it as heaven. Um, 
and he's like, how are you both here? Like, doesn't he have a problem with you being here? You mm-hmm. know, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And the solid person is like, that doesn't matter here anymore. Like, none of that matters. It's, like, forgotten and stuff. And, like, he just, like, couldn't get his head around him. He's like, I've been sent to you to try to lead you to mm-hmm. the mountains, which mm-hmm. is kind of, I think, what they mm-hmm. kept talking about, like, as ultimate, like, as heaven. Like, you have to truly make the choice yeah. to believe in God and, like, that matters above all else essentially and then like then you could actually become more solid and get to Mm -hmm. the mountain because they can't Mm -hmm. physically get there right now right yeah um and he ended up just not wanting he ended up not wanting to do it because he he was like so prideful Mm -hmm. about like thinking that he was almost like better than this guy who was like a murderer Mm -hmm. um and thinking well this if this is the kind of people they let in and like who were yeah, they trying to have like why do I want to be here to the mountain right. like why why am I why would I want to be right. here? It's like you couldn't stand being grouped with a murderer. With the same person. Right. Yeah. Um, so what I guess along those lines, like which little I call them silhouettes, which little silhouette would you say you most identified with or that stood out to you the most besides that one? Or was that the one? No. Are you the murderer? <laughs> I didn't I didn't identify with that one. Oh, gosh. That's, like, really hard. Um, or, I, I don't know. I found myself in several different ones. Because you like, don't want to be... I don't, don't, don't want yeah. to empathize with any of these people because, you know, you can glaringly see their issues. Right. And you're like, And you'd oh, like man. to think that <laughs> yeah. you can justify <laughs> that you're not like issues. that. But what's so cool about this book is that it makes, it makes you reflect on your actions. Mm-hmm. It makes you be like, oh, no, I can see that sin in my life and I need... Like, I need to change this mm-hmm. in a way that doesn't make you feel attacked right. or make you feel like a horrible person. Just makes you be like, look. I don't know. I feel like there's so many I could, you yeah. know, really mm-hmm. characterize with. Um, actually, like, one that's, like, coming off the top of my head is the narrator himself. Because I feel like even though he didn't directly, you know, have, like, this crazy conversation where it's like, oh, this is clearly his vice. Mm-hmm. I think his vice to me overall, and maybe you guys can, like, disagree or tell me what you think about this, is, like, I felt like he doubted and, like, didn't have enough faith because it seemed like the whole time he kept asking questions and, like, he wasn't convinced. And he's like, but if this, then, like, how is this possible? And, Mm -hmm. like, how can you let this, like, woman who just, like, her vice is loving her son too much Mm -hmm. not come in, but you can let this guy who has a vice of lust come Mm -hmm. into heaven who, Mm -hmm. like, was able to get over that. That seems like not really a fair trade-off. Um... And I feel like sometimes, you know, like, as a Christian, you can have a tendency to, like, doubt sometimes Mm -hmm. when people around you are, like, glaringly yelling, like, that you're crazy for thinking what you believe and, like, being like, look at this evidence. How could you believe this if this? And, Mm -hmm. you know, like, that's where faith comes in a lot of the times is, like, understanding that, you know, the things that people say, like, you know what, if God wanted to do what they said, he could have done it. Like, evolution. Like, he could have used evolution. Not Mm -hmm. saying he did but, like, he could have, because he's right. God, so he can do, like, whatever he wants. He has the full capability of doing that. So I think for me, like, that's something that I've had to struggle through a lot with, like, especially what I'm doing, like, as, as a scientist, like, as a doctor, you know, is, like, coming to terms that a lot of the people I interact with and work with, like, don't believe what I believe, and they, mm-hmm. they could, like, think of me less for that, and, like, that could make me doubt, like, maybe I don't have it right, you know? Mm-hmm. And especially, like, when you think of, you know, people you love dying, you're like, I, like, I, I want to truly believe that they go to mm-hmm. heaven, but, like, you know, like, what if, you know, mm-hmm. like, what if they don't, like, what if 
that's not there. And so like that, I feel like that's something that I occasionally do struggle with is just that, you know, what if thing. Right, and trying to understand yeah. how it all mm-hmm. pieces together. And just like having faith, like I do, but like, you know, I have those moments of like little mm-hmm. tiny things of doubt and you have to really, really pray through that and like, <laughs> yeah, but so I feel like I really relate to actually like the narrator a lot. I don't yeah. Know. I don't know if like that's how yeah. you guys viewed him or if you viewed him completely different. I don't think or... I really had an opinion because I think he was just there the to vessel. see what was happening. Yeah. So I didn't really even think about that. So yeah. Now that's that I really said that, what do you think about like through that lens, like could do you think... Do you think that, like, you saw any doubt, like, looking back, or do you not Yeah, really? I think looking back, I I feel like see it. C.S. Lewis also might have been using the character as the one to ask questions that the readers course, themselves might have been right. asking. Right, and we were looking at everything through the narrator's eyes, too. Yeah. So I think he was being set up to, you know, like you were saying, like, you struggle with doubt sometimes, so he's the one who's just voicing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what we feel as yeah. we're so reading. I feel like that's like well. valid. Yeah, yeah that he yeah. was the one that was just constantly questioning things. Yeah, because that also is like a way that people reject God is mm-hmm. they're just constantly questioning like, well, about this and this and mm-hmm. this and this, and there like there are mysteries of faith. Right. Not you know there are absolute right ton like a ton of absolute things that God can be known, but there are some things that are mysteries of faith. Right. Um, one that kind of stuck out to me, um, just because I was like, same thing, I'm just in this world, was the artist. The mm-hmm. one who he first started painting from the love of light. And like, because one thing that I relate to is that I love nature because it makes me feel close to God. Mm-hmm. Like seeing rays come through clouds and seeing beautiful landscapes and all that like God has provided for us to live in, like mm-hmm. does draw me closer to him. But it's interesting that like, yeah, the painter like started painting from his love of light and then it turned into just a love or like... He just wanted to preserve a love of the his, creation. Yes, like he wanted to preserve his name. He wanted to preserve mm-hmm. the fact that he was a good painter mm-hmm. and that his paintings were good. When honestly, like, like the music that I do is trying to like point to God. Like you know, like yeah, a love of the creator, like not the creation. It's hard, but I could see like you know that's something that I can relate to. Where like I can sometimes will you know become like narcissistic or like I am awesome and like I am the best singer ever or whatever or just getting so wrapped up in the details yes, of it. yes right. and like not remembering like why I'm doing it like mm-hmm. why like you know God gave me this like awesome gift like so I can praise him and, like bring others to mm-hmm. praise him and so I could definitely relate to him as something where like the art becomes mm-hmm. a sin mm-hmm. yeah because I can also see that a lot in my peers like when I was in college a lot of them fell into that right like praising the artwork but not the one who created right. the artwork right like, praising themselves but not yeah and that's something that's so easy to do mm-hmm. i feel like you can do that in any walk of life too not just artists or singers oh, yeah. or vocalists you know anybody like uh excellent doctor can you know praise the fact that they have this knowledge and they have yeah. the ability instead of being like wow i'm so happy that like science and god has given men the ability to figure out these things yeah. like when you think about it from that perspective it's like you know it's like looking at you know, famous artists like Bach and being mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, he's so amazing. Like, and just praising Bach right. instead yeah. of thinking about, well, wait, you know, who created Bach? Right. Like, who gave yeah. him the ability to mm-hmm. be the, the amazing artist he was and his mm-hmm. genius? Like, yeah. And what yeah. is he saying in his songs? Yeah. Because yeah. even just like praising yeah. the artist in yeah. the sense, like, you're praising the 
you're not praising the creator. You're praising the yeah. earthly creator. And it's just like interesting. Like mind wise. Yeah. yeah. One thing I think C.S. Lewis is such a brilliant author and also kind of like a Christian as an author using that as a medium is that he does touch on so many things. Mm-hmm. He touches on so many vices, so many realities or sins and like ways people deal with it or lies we tell ourselves that you yeah it's like a very he just exposes he does he everything. just exposes it all but he doesn't in a way that you don't feel like oh i'm gonna stop reading this now or like yeah or like you know what i mean like he doesn't in more, a way that's kind it's more thought-provoking than it is like accusatory antagon- yeah agonizing yeah i think that's, mm-hmm. I think that's so weird. yeah is there a ghost that you um yeah i do I saw myself in a lot of them, but I think mm-hmm. the two main ones, um, towards the beginning, there's a discussion with, like, the liberal theologian. Mm. Um, he did apostatize, so, like, he <clears throat> definitely went to hell. But they talked a lot about having wrong opinions as being sin. And as somebody who really enjoys thinking deeply about things, it was just very, I don't know, very thought-provoking. And it reminded me that I need to, like, make sure that all of the things that I'm thinking are in line with. Um, like God's will and what we see in the Bible and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that was one that stood out to me and um, Robert's wife do you remember she was kind of the housewife who mm-hmm. like her whole mm-hmm. mission was to fix her husband yes. and yes and it seemed like she wanted more like more things like mm-hmm. bigger house more mm-hmm. friends like big parties those kinds of things um and that was just it stood out to me because sometimes I tend to focus more on having things as being, like, an end or Mm -hmm. being better than not having things, which it's not. And then also having an overemphasis on people Mm -hmm. rather than on yourself. So looking towards other people and trying to help them and encourage them while ignoring your whole self. Mm -hmm. So I liked – I really liked both of those. No, I thought Robert's White was really interesting. Yeah, how she, like, just – constantly was like nagging him mm-hmm. and then like sh- he was like her project and she never yeah like looked in tr- right what, introspectively like at herself and then it was so interesting like the end like her choice mm-hmm. to like go back she's like well I need to like I can fix him for eternity like and right. that's just she it, wanted him to yes, go back with her yes mm-hmm. yeah. um and it's just so selfish it mm-hmm. is but it's, it's but she did not she didn't see it like that yeah, she, she thought didn't. she was doing a really good thing she thought she was doing him a favor right which is sad like yeah. you would rather like your former spouse come to hell with you yeah and have you them change. and yeah. have them be like in heaven and then also like you just changing like yeah, that, yeah. Like, both of those things are so selfish right yeah. it's just it makes you look at motives uh-huh. and motives are not like having good motives does not necessarily mm-hmm. mean that you're doing a good yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. No, I think it's like another aspect of like in like marriage or relationships mm-hmm. and like as friends, you need to have like God as the center, as someone who like you're all trying to go to because it would be so easy just to like constantly try to like lean on each other in a way that actually really should be like leaning on God. Like right. like trying to get happiness from each other in a way that, like, you should be getting happiness right. from, like, it's joy from God. And, like, it's not saying you don't, like, lean on your friends and be joy from your friends and, like, all that stuff or, like, spouses, but, like... Right. It's just an overemphasis on yeah. relationships with people rather than yeah. relationship with God. Yeah. Um, I think something that would be, like, interesting to talk about is George McDonald as a character. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Are you at all familiar <coughs> with George McDonald? Not too much. I know okay. he's Scottish, and I know he's an author, and that is a, <laughs> he is a Christian author that did children's fiction. 
So basically everything That's you got from the book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I honestly had to look some yes. stuff up. So, yeah. George MacDonald, um, I've only read one book by him, but it was absolutely phenomenal. So I read At the Back of the North Wind. At the Back? At the Back? I think that's right. But it's so good. At the Back of the North Wind. At the Back of the North Wind. Yeah. So that book, it's so good. It is a children's book, and it is very... I almost think that C.S. Lewis is using this book to imitate his, like, George MacDonald style, because it's that ethereal, kind of Mm -hmm. dreamy, like, dreamlike book. So he's an awesome writer. I, like, personally, I was a little bit confused as to why he was, like, a guide in heaven, because, and I know they talk about this in the book, about his views on universalism. Um, so George MacDonald, um, so he has a sermon called Justice that if you want to read that, I would highly recommend that. And that mm-hmm. just kind of goes through his views on, like, justification and, I don't know, he just... So he gives this illustration about a watch and... He says, if somebody steals your watch and they get, like, reprimanded by the government, that's not really a fair trade because you didn't get your watch back. So he views hell as you are sent to hell to basically give back the watch. And then that's all the punishment there is. It's not an eternal punishment. It's just punishment for, like, that is equal to the sin that you did on earth. And, I mean, I disagree with that. (laughs) Where it's, like, the layers of hell. Um, no, because this is not, like, this is universalism, where it's just you're in hell for whatever you've done, and then you move on to heaven, or, um... Which we don't agree with. Right, so it's very (laughs) unorthodox. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, so, and I think it's, I don't know, I'm very sympathetic towards it, because I don't like the idea of people suffering and being tormented for eternity Mm -hmm. at all. I think it's horrible. But I think it's like, a faulty understanding of what sin is and how horrible sin mm-hmm. is. Um, so that's George MacDonald, but we see in the book there's this conversation about universalism, and what he says about universalism is not what real George MacDonald says about universalism. Really? And I understand that, you know, so C.S. Lewis, he's a great writer and a great thinker, but he is not theologian in the sense that he has systematically laid out his theology so we don't always see what c.s lewis believes Mm -hmm. and we can only take like he he does leave it purposefully ambiguous ambiguous oh my word (laughs) (laughs) um ambiguous so there is some of that but he has made statements about his he's not a universalist but he definitely has inclusivist tendencies um And I'm not getting that from The Great Divorce because that is fiction and, like, you know, people choosing to go to heaven after they die. I don't think that's what C.S. Lewis is trying to accomplish in the book. I think he's using that to make another point. But aside from that, he has said other things. Um, And I don't know, just with C.S. Lewis, it's so important just to remember that he is a man and has wrong beliefs <laughs> also on top of like all this greatness like I'm not saying mm-hmm. don't read C.S. Lewis yeah. but also to keep thinking for yourselves <laughs> um I think it's also had, just the good advice of like everything goes back like to the bible like really oh, yeah. look at like through the lens of the bible and what like God's word says because you know man is man like it's faulty and like we right. all can have 
if we know or don't like wrong interpretations yeah. Yeah. or like our life experiences. So like yeah, like while C.S. Right. Lewis like is like a Christian, doesn't mean you have to like believe right. everything. Take everything he says as like law. Right. I'm just saying, say, like, don't approach him as you would like um like another theologian, like someone uh, who's coming to mind, like R.C. Sproul or like John Calvin or someone mm-hmm. who has written like systematically about his beliefs mm-hmm. where C.S. Lewis has not done that. Yeah. Um, anyway, back to George MacDonald. So I just find it kind of ironic that he is a guide in heaven when there was a discussion, like the silhouette I mentioned earlier about the liberal theologian who like they're talking about it's sin to have a wrong opinion. And that is kind of what pushed him into hell. But you have George MacDonald who at the time universalism would have been considered more of a liberal theology. Mm. So I think there's a little <laughs> bit of a disconnect there, but I, Adam, I just thought it was super interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, read at the back of the North wind. It's awesome. No, for sure. Like when George MacDonald came up, I looked, I looked him up and I saw that C.S. Lewis really saw him mm-hmm. as like a literary mentor and it made me wish I was like more well-read. <laughs> like yeah. all the, um, suggestions and comments he makes about other things as well you're like man I need to look that up too and look this up for some reason why I just generally like reading because it shows you what you don't know (laughs) it gives you knowledge and also shows you what you don't know yeah yeah C.S. Lewis Mm -hmm. talked a lot about how inspired he was by George Mm MacDonald which I can totally tell in this book yeah so good yeah (laughs) let's see I had something that we could talk about um this is my question. It's like, we learned that Greytown inhabitants can move to a new street and a new house by simply imagining it. As a result, there is no interdependency or community, since there is no need to rely on one another. How would you rate like the need for community in your life, like your neighbors, store owners, church, all that? And then, have you seen this new tendencies towards technology, like the American way of life, um, as contributing to this fact and the last thing that's like multi-part question the last thing is like do you see our world going towards more c.s lewis's depiction of like heaven or hell like there's a lot to talk about (laughs) um so i do think and i think this might be more like applicable to american or westernized society that there has been a focus on the individual rather than the community. And I think a lot of this came from, like, post-industrial revolution-like type Mm -hmm. thinking. Um, Because I think that is kind of where we see a shift from the family being the most important to each individual and Mm -hmm. going after self-fulfillment and that kind of thing. Um, So I would say, yes, there's been less encouragement for community in that sense but also as christians you know we're told to be a part of the church and Mm -hmm. to like fellowship with other brothers and sisters in christ and encourage them and like be involved in their lives Mm -hmm. so i think specifically as christians we have this command to go and have community so i guess personally in my life there is more community because of that Mm -hmm. I can't really speak towards or speak for like, like other the people. average American yeah. citizen. Um, but I do think there is an overemphasis on self. Mm-hmm. 
that I do sense. think that, like, people, like, not necessarily myself, but, like, what I've, like, observed mm-hmm. is that people want to, like, live by themselves mm-hmm. and, like, have their own jobs and, like, have, like, their lives separated from other people. Like, they have friends, but then they, like, find that they're, like, lonely living at right. home by themselves or they're lonely. Right. Like, they're so interdependent on other things. But, yeah, what I love about like, God, is that he commanded us to have community because, like, he knew. He mm-hmm. knew that, like, we're happier in groups, even if you're an introvert. Like, it's still, I feel like humans, like, desire community and, and fellowship. And for your own sanctification yeah. because like that's, accountability. Where you, that's where you hear that you're a sinner is with other people. If you're yeah. just by yourself, you're just mm-hmm. talking to yourself. Yeah. And he gives, like, that accountability just of having <laughs> other people. I mean, that's what I do yeah. when I'm alone. <laughs> Not like an yeah, crazy person. <laughs> yeah, where like you like see like, faults of other people and like address it and like with God's mm-hmm. love, and then people do that the same for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. I feel like I don't have like much to add because I feel like you guys pretty much like summed it up. Yes, but well, <laughs> I mean, like, I just feel like it's like it's our culture right yeah. now. So I don't really know like where our culture is headed in the future mm-hmm. in terms yeah. of like the last part of your question. But it seems like culture in past used to be very community centered. Mm-hmm. Like even like looking back to like biblical times, like you would live still. I think in like your father's mm-hmm. house, you would just like, like add with, on an attachment or something with your to extended it. family yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's like as soon as you hit eighteen, like yeah, I'm gone. gone. Yeah. <laughs> like, Honestly, unless you can't find a job and then you're still living with your parents, huh? but but that's not seen as a good thing. No, yeah, it's seen as right. a negative thing. So honestly, one of my friends, like one of the acquaintances in high school, they all lived in the same cul-de-sac. Like their grandparents, their aunts and uncles, mm-hmm. they like didn't live in the same house. They lived like literally on the same street. And I always thought that was like awesome because mm-hmm. you just like go to those houses and they are all like, really involved in each other's lives. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's problems that come up with that because you're all really close and you have to like work through your issues. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think that's cool that you then forced to work through your issues and they like were really strong as a family. Right. And I almost was like, I kind of want that. Like, yeah, I do think it's interesting when I was reading the book, that was such a big part of mm-hmm. Great Town. It's a lack mm-hmm. of community. And there's right. that, even that sil- ghost silhouette that was like, oh, I'm going to create this shop that people have to come to. So mm-hmm. we'll all have to be interdependent. So we'll all have to have community and that mm-hmm. will like solve all of our problems. The book club. <laughs> there was like a book club, wasn't there? There was like a discussion. A discussion yeah. Like the theology yeah. mm-hmm. group. Yeah. And I think it's also significant that each of the silhouettes had to do with a different relationship. Mm -hmm. So it's community that's been, like, strained. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they all, like, are very jealous and Mm -hmm. constantly, like, tearing each other down and, like, getting on each other's nerves. Yeah. And I think that's just because it's... And I think it is just so important, yeah, to be, Mm -hmm. like, everyone's a sinner. Everyone's going to make mistakes. And you just go into any relationship, no matter how big or small, being, like... We're both going to sin, and we're both going to have to forgive. And that's really hard to come to terms with that, honestly, Mm -hmm. as a person. And it takes a lot of, like, working at it. But that's, like, one of the overall things I learned from this book is, you know, just you have to work at it and don't let things go by and, like, evaluate yourself. Like, if you have problems, like, work on it. Right. And, like, bring – not bring problems up. But, like, hold your, like, hold yourself yourself accountable Mm -hmm. and then help and, like, love hold others accountable. Right. So, I have a question for you guys. Yes. There was a point in the book towards the end where there was a parade and he was like, oh, who's this for? And he was (laughs) like, it's one of the greats. And he was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, she, 
essentially this woman like impacted a lot of people's lives yeah. and mm-hmm. from that discussion I kind of got like the feeling that she brought you know Christ's love to a lot of people mm-hmm. and then like saw Jesus through her and like mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if they meant you know she ended up like leading them to Jesus or if they just like were impacted by her in like a positive way and that mm-hmm. ended up right going it was ambiguous yeah it was ambiguous but it seemed sort of something like that and she sees her husband of mm-hmm. past Mm-hmm. and he's chained to this, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Right. And he's a ghost. He's, he's a, a ghost. ghost. He's Trigean? a ghost. Trigean? 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 Which is like a, I thought it was like supposed to be like, like a theater. 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 <laughs> Maybe it's tragedian. It's Actor. a tragedy. That seemed yeah. tragedy. That seemed too obvious of a pronunciation. I think it's I tragedy. Tragedy. But, so he was chained to this other guy, and he was a dwarf himself. Mm-hmm. And so she comes up to him, you know, she's in this parade procession, like not, like, in her honor, but kind of in her honor. And so she, like, comes and talks to him, and she's, like, so full of joy, so yeah. radiating, mm-hmm. like, love and the, like, light of Christ um, that, you know, he, she's trying to convince him to l- let his, like, pity and, like, whatnot go mm-hmm. and, you know, join her there. And he, like, almost does it, but then, like... Gets, he gets into this mindset of, like, you didn't miss me, like, you didn't mm-hmm. pity me, like, you didn't, you weren't sad when, I think so, I think she passed away before him. I'm not really sure, but I think she it seemed did. like she passed away in a nursing home and, like, left him on earth, and he was, like, almost, like, seemed like he was, like, bitter about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of was interested, my question is, what did you think of that whole, like, discussion of, like, him using, like, pity because they talked about George McDonald characterizes like pity is like a good thing and a bad thing and like I she how we understood is like he was using pity in like a bad way and like couldn't get over that well they said that like in have like the foothills of heaven it just became so obvious that he was using pity in an attempt to like hurt her or make her feel guilty or like manipulate manipulate yeah <laughs> so it's like pity <laughs> so it's like people can pity you yeah in a good way but also you can use it in a way to like i mean i think it's a sin like it's like they're, in a they're way showing to, like, they're shame people yeah they're showing the way where it's like you trying to guilt people mm-hmm. into doing things or yeah manipulate honestly it's, it's manipulation right. and i think he was using pity to hide his like i don't want to say his true feelings mm-hmm. but he he put on a front so much that like that's what he turned into. Yeah. Like, that's mm-hmm. kind of how I read that. Yeah. It might be wrong because I was a little bit confused. Like, that was a little vague to me. Mm-hmm. Like, why he was um, chained. It was kind right. of confusing. It's like, this says is like, I just looked up the situation again. It's like, <laughs> he was had a divided nature mm-hmm. where there was two figures, like the dwarf and the tra- tragedian. Let's just say yeah. tragedy. Yeah. Or it's like the tragedian was like this artificial sadness. Right. You know, and the dwarf was just, like, what was left. Yeah. yeah. Like, the man. It was, like, I mean, they were both him, mm-hmm. but they were, right. like, two different parts right. of him. And, and also, throughout the story, he was shrinking yeah. because he was giving so much into the tragedy and, mm-hmm. or the, the pity. Like, yeah. he was, that's who he became. Yeah. And I think the most interesting part of that whole thing is that, you know, from my perspective as a human, mm-hmm. I'm, and, like, I guess I, I was kind of, like, thinking, agreeing with the narrator in this situation that like 
from our perspective, you look at that situation and, like, he's, like, gone and he's back in hell. And you're like, oh, man, like, that's, that's, that's horrible. Like, you know, like, if that was me, like, I would be so sad that my spouse chose to do that and, like, couldn't Mm -hmm. get over that, you know, issue with his life and, like, couldn't stay there with me. Mm -hmm. But, like, then, you know, George McDonald points out, like, she doesn't pity him because she can't. Like, she's so, like... She has, like, so much love and, like, joy mm-hmm. that, like, pity can't exist here. Yes. In that form. Like, it, it, she can't pity him. Right. Because, like, she is so fulfilled and, like, so whole that, like, it's, it can't guilt her yeah. anymore. And it's I not think, able to guilt yeah. her anymore. Yeah. And I think a point of that, too, is when we are in heaven, we will perfectly see God's mercy and justice. And we will understand why, why things are the way they are. Mm-hmm. So I think just having that perfected understanding has just made her so joyful. Mm-hmm. But did you, like, were you, did you notice that at all on yourself? Did you, or was it just me that you, like, at first were like, oh, man, that's kind of sad, like, he, that he chose yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, wait, like, this is what a human would do. This is, like, right. this is literally yeah. feeding into his problem. Right. Yeah. No, I noticed that. And then, like, they, like, it's, like, almost the author knew. He's like, no, wait, like, she can't. She can't even pity right. him. Yeah. Which almost, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I know this isn't really accurate representation of like what heaven will be right. but it yeah. kind of excited me at that point I was like oh my gosh like how amazing yeah. will it be when when I can't yeah, feel yeah. Like, like there's all those yeah. verses that are like when you, you can't feel sad you understand and yeah. you can't like feel that anymore because like you know like you're perfectly whole yes then and like you're fulfilled mm-hmm. and like you have complete joy like That's I don't awesome. know like, it was just a really cool it is exciting epiphany if mm-hmm. you will um and right after that story like I think the most powerful moment for me in this book was when it talked about, oh, hell is actually, like, through this little crack yeah. mm-hmm. in the ground. That was really cool. And the yeah. bus just got So the bus, bigger. yeah, it came up from the ground and grew. Um, yeah. So it was saying that she can't follow him because she's so whole that she can't fit. Like, she can't mm-hmm. shrink herself down to that far, or to that... Size. 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 <laughs> to go through the crack in the ground that yeah. becomes I'm great. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm pregnant. Yeah. Words are hard. <laughs> um... So if she can't descend that far, the only person who can descend that far is Christ because he is so high up. He has further that he can descend, which I just thought was amazing. Um, and that also, <laughs> I have kind of a theory about this book, like the premise of this book. Are you ready? So, so it talks about how Christ is the only one who can descend. What? Yeah, you say You can say it. No, you, you can say it. Okay. Did you, did you think it was based off of Alice in Wonderland? No. no. That's what I remember. Not like... No, no. Okay, so you say the theory. <laughs> let me... Let me you say the theory. It was going in a different direction than I thought <laughs> it was. It was, yeah. <laughs> so... It reminds and me And at the that. beginning of the book, when everyone's getting on the bus, there's like one comment made about the bus driver being really bright. And like oh, nobody... Yeah, wow. you see where I'm going. Oh! Yeah. So, wow, mind blown. I know, I was like... So, um... Man, you guys, you made me lose my train of thought. I can't do this. Bus driver <laughs> so, is bright. Bus driver is bright. Bus driver is bright, and none of the people who are getting on the bus, like, there were some comments made about how they didn't like the bus driver. Yeah. Um, and since we know Christ is the only one who could descend, like, right. the bus logically, <laughs> right, and what I think is really cool is the only time we see Christ descending into hell is, like, between his, re- or. His crucifixion and his resurrection. Yes, the three days. So I think, like, the premise of this book is, like, 
what happened on that trip down. <laughs> um, Mind blown. And I mean, obviously, like, it's all speculation. Yeah. We don't actually know what happened. But, like, I liked that. I, I liked that, that, though. And, like, the, when they said that when he descended, yeah. he was, like, talking to people and trying to convince them. That's and, like, so Jesus to be like, like I'm here. I mean, but you never Let's really do think stuff. About like, you yeah. think of, like, when Jesus went down and, like, stormed the gates of hell. You just yeah. think of him storming the gates of hell and, like, taking yeah. a key or something. Okay. You don't think about him, like, yeah. like something, talking to people who are yeah. there. Right. Something yeah. to Not saying he did that. Yeah. Yeah. though. It's, like, interesting. With an orthodox view of hell, we don't see Jesus entering the place of torment. We we don't really know. Like, okay, we don't yeah. really know. No, yeah, no but. one does. <laughs> no one knows. Only Jesus knows. Anyway, just want to clarify. That's so interesting. Just want to clarify. It's I all like, fiction. This is all but fiction. But I like that theory, though. It's an interesting though. thought, though. I mm-hmm. like it. Wow. Because you're right. You don't, like, time is ambiguous, and so you don't really know mm-hmm. what's happening. Um, but, Yeah. That's a cool theory. Thank you. I like that. I was like, I like whoa. Yeah. Mind blown. It just like dawned on me. So do you guys want to talk about the ending? Like your, yeah, the ending. Let's go, Shannon. The ending. You so can. I finished this last night. And Susie and Annie had said, oh man, this ending. Like you gotta get to the ending. You gotta get to the ending. It's just so crazy. So, <laughs> so this like the ending, we get to this ending, it's like two pages. It's like really short, mm-hmm. or, like three pages or something. And... It's essentially like the narrator, and he's he. What what happens to him? He like it. The well, I know what happens like in the real sun world. Rays like, yeah, start. Oh, the sun. Him. Okay, so they talk about the sunrise a lot. So in Greytown, the fear is like that. It's twilight there. So like the fear is like, what the sun's gonna come up or like it's gonna get really dark. The great night. night. It's gonna become night. It's gonna become yeah. night, and then like everything bad's gonna happen when it becomes night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then in heaven, it's it's like I don't know. It's like sunny, it's but like. like not quite it's dawn. Like, yeah, it's twilight. not quite like dawn. And twilight. so it's like yeah. they are waiting for the sunrise and like everything good that will happen will be the sunrise. So he's freaking out because all of a sudden like the sunrise comes. He's like, oh no, like I'm going to die because he's still yeah. a ghost at that point. And the yeah. physics the physics in this world are different. Like yes. the ghosts have a lot of trouble Walking. like maneuvering like through the grass and everything yeah. is like really hard to them. Yeah, because they're, they're like... Because the world is so solid. 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 And yeah. there's just ghosts of themselves yeah. that like things hurt like it's piercing their shadow essentially mm-hmm. yeah and so the sunrise comes up and he's like oh no like i'm dying because like i haven't become a solid person yet mm-hmm. like it's gonna kill me or whatever and then um he like re- he like realizes he's dreaming or something right yeah he like wakes up he wakes, he, like, up. wakes up and, and like, realizes books he's are dreaming, but like him. while he's realizing he's dreaming like mcdonald's like don't tell anyone you saw this <laughs> Because we're not supposed to, like, let anyone see this, but you're not actually dead. Your time hasn't come yet. Oh, George. And then, <laughs> and then like, oh, George. he, like, wakes up. He, like, was asleep at his desk, and then, like, he falls out of his chair, and, like, books fall onto him, which is, like, what the actual, like, sunrise was, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, it was books like, red books or something like that. Yeah. And then he wakes up later next to a black grave, which I assume is, like, either, like, a vent or, like, his fireplace or something. Mm-hmm. And then, and, like, an ambulance is coming. Because he, like, fell and probably got, like, conked on the head and was out for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. It's pretty mind-blowing. It's pretty mind-blowing that this was, like, all just a dream. See, I read that and I was a little, like, disappointed because there have been so many books and movies that end with, like, oh, it was all a dream. But 
But in a way, it's but in a way, like, it was then cool. It's like you gave him a chance to like decide, right? Like, yeah, was actually, I want to believe. I think it was actually well done. Yeah. I was just like, I've seen this so many times. I think it was well done <laughs> it because it's done it's... before it became yeah. so many right. times. Right. I think it was well done though because it's almost like a good ending for this book, where it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you, all these people, all these ghosts have choices on how they want to be the afterlife to go mm-hmm. and then you know he thought he was dead like he thought that mm-hmm. he was going through these choices and it's like wait you're not dead yet like you have There's a chance to change mm-hmm. you have time I think it was a good ending of what C.S. Lewis yeah. like wanted this book to be and I think like it rounds out so in the preface he talks about this is fiction <laughs> yeah. this is all speculation yeah. I think that kind of like brings that to a close too like oh it's all a dream so this is not actually what heaven and hell is yeah. like this is just fiction like it's just a dream <laughs> right just but a dream i kind of liked it because the whole book i was like rooting for this narrator i was like come on like, yeah you like make the right choice yeah you got this and then it's like well he didn't it didn't happen like what well, we wanted it to happen but instead he got the chance to like decide on earth yeah like how he was gonna mm-hmm. you know yeah. choose which was pretty kind of, it was like kind of cool mm-hmm. yeah um that was cool so yeah so additions yeah so my edition, I think I'm probably the only person who wrote like a physical yeah. book copy. Um, it's actually disgusting looking because we got it like half price or something. It looks like someone like dropped pasta sauce all over it. It's fine. It was it really looks cheap. Well loved. Yes, it, does. It, it was very cheap and it was much cheaper than the same version on Amazon. So it is the okay. This is interesting. It's t- okay. So this is the complete C.S. Lewis signature classics edition. So it has several of his books in here, and it was published in 2002. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because each one of the like, actual published dates for each book is in here as well, which mm-hmm. is like, oh, cool. pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it has it has Mere Christianity, Screwtape Letters, Miracles, Great Divorce, The Problem of Pain, A Grief Observed, and The Abolition of Man that are all in this edition, which is pretty cool. That is cool. And then I think Susie and I read the same edition. You read the same edition. I just read it on my iPad as yeah. an ebook. Yeah, and I read it on my Kindle. Yeah, but it's just the Great Divorce. It's the copy that has the bus on it. And <laughs> I know, but like if you saw a Great Divorce, it has the bus on it. Yeah. And it was copyrighted in 1946. Oh, there's multiple copies that have a bus on it. Okay, what's well, the colorful bus? It's like it's blue and red. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then this ebook edition specifically was published in two thousand and nine. Yep. Yeah. Great divorce. C.S. Lewis. Yeah. All right. Ratings. Who wants to go first? I'm going first this time. Go okay. first, Shannon. So I want you guys to bias me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> go um, first. I. This might be unpopular, but I'm gonna give a five star because I like to give five stars for books that I either one extremely enjoyed and I like mm-hmm. loved and would want to read it again or two I just felt like it really made me think a lot and mm-hmm. I felt like this book did that for me and so that's why I'm giving it a five star. I'm also giving it a five star because it hits all the criteria of what I think is an excellent book which is like I you know want to reread it in the future because I think you could get more out of it even. I want to tell other people to read this book. Like, I want to recommend it to people. And yeah, it makes you reflect on your life. And it's one of those books, I think we talked about a long time ago, like a great book is one that like kind of changes your attitude or Mm -hmm. changes your perspective or influences your life. And I think this book definitely has the ability and definitely has influenced my life and made me be more introspective on how my relationships are and wants me to like 
grow closer to God and also like fix relationships mm-hmm. that like have gone wrong or are sinful in the past. Five stars. I'm also giving it five stars. <laughs> Which is good. We haven't um, done that yeah, in a while. And it's for like all of the same reasons that you've just mentioned. And like it, it checks all my boxes for like things that I like in a book too. Mm-hmm. So it's not just that it's an amazing book. It's just, I also like, it's just, just enjoyable. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I really like the more ethereal dreamlike tone of it. Like mm-hmm. I love, I love that. Um, and I love that he was able to say so much in a fiction work. And even though I talked about, you know, like, being a little bit critical while you're reading C.S. Mm-hmm. Lewis, he always presents his, like, views. Like, he presents it in a way that's very fair, and you don't feel like it's being, like, forced on mm-hmm. you. It just makes you think about it very mindfully mm-hmm. and thoughtfully, and it's awesome. And I love that George MacDonald was a character, because he's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was just an awesome, awesome book. Five stars all around. Woo. Yeah. All right. And next what are we reading month, next? Next month we're reading Notes from Underground by Dostoevsky. Um, Dostoevsky. I know. I'm impressed that you said that name. I cannot say it for the life of me. So it's fun. <laughs> um, Mason read this book recently and he like couldn't stop talking about it. So I'm really excited. And one mm-hmm. of my friends who has a podcast has like an audiobook version for free mm-hmm. of it. Um, and that podcast is called Air War Audiobooks by Nate Hansen. And he's he's just an awesome person. So his voice is very podcast. Oh, it's incredible. More like audiobooky. I mean yeah. he has missed his calling. I've already listened like to the first audiobooks. section. That's like six parts. I've listened to the first part and it, yeah, it was really, really, really good. Highly recommend both the book and, and podcast the person. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we're doing next month. Yee. All right. Hello. Well, catch you on the flip side. Goodbye, my friends. <laughs> <laughs>